The Mike Morgan Podcast, guaranteed to make you laugh. Not a guarantee. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mike Morgan Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Five-star reviews and all that. I told you I get two episodes done every week. It's a Sunday. So I'm rising and I'm grinding. That's what I'm doing. What you wet on a Sunday. I'm rising and grinding. So happy Sunday to everybody. I hope you're all having a chillaxing day. I am. I'm actually chilling out. There's no matches on, so it's perfect for uh, me to make a podcast. So what I'm going to do today, guys, I am going to uh, show you a snippet. Well, actually, uh, the whole interview that I did with an author. Yeah. That's where I am now at the wor- in the world. I'm 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 interviewing authors exactly. Do you love Do you love me now, mom? Do you love me now, mom? That's where I'm at. Do you know? So uh, I interviewed an author. He's uh, his name is Peter Wrightfoot, and he wrote a book called The Last Hooligan, and it, you can get it on Amazon or any good bookstore. And it's just about the life of his dad, who was he believed was the last ever hooligan in Liverpool. It, it was very late to be a hooligan. It was 2004. Do you know, like, hooligans were done by that stage, and this guy just... Do you know, he was born too late. His father was born too late in an environment where he was fighting and nobody wanted to fight him at football games. Uh, eventually, there was some controversy, controversy, and he's trying to fight for his father's justice. Peter, the guy I'm talking to, he will be fighting for his father's justice, of course. There was a tragedy with his father. He's been fighting for his justice ever since. That's what the book is about. It's the, it's the story of his father and how he's fighting still to this day for the justice of his father's death. Peace love. Alright guys, so I'm here joined by Peter Wrightfoot. Of course, his book out at the moment called The Last Hooligan, which we will be plugging right now. A great book, Peter, I must say straight off the bat. A really enjoyable read. Of course, I can barely read myself, so it took me about three months to read it. And that's not a slight at you, it's just it would take me that amount of time to read absolutely any book. I really enjoyed it, I was glued to it. I had to take time off work to read it, of course. And um, yeah, three months, and it was absolutely fantastic. And do I agree with it? I don't know, do I agree? with everything in it but that's what's so brilliant about the book to get off by telling your story I suppose what was it like uh, growing up in Liverpool in the early 2000s I suppose and what was your your family like what was your upbringing like and yeah we'll we'll take it from there Peter I suppose yeah mate thanks for that mate uh first off I'd just like to say if my story helps absolutely anyone in the world I'd be made up and it would be worth it writing the book would be worth it but I start off by saying growing up in, in Liverpool, I, I grew up about a mile away from Anfield, funny enough. And my dad was a massive red, so was my brother. And my mother was a blue nose. Not that she supported Everton. It was just that she was constantly sick, lad. She always sneezing and wheezing and all that, getting called a blue nose. And she was like, I don't support anybody. What are you calling me a blue nose for? I don't support it. But it's not, it's not about the football, love. It's that you're constantly sick. So my mother had a hard time all the time. My dad, he worked in the bookmakers. And I suppose he gambled away most of his earnings in the same bookmakers he worked. But that was life in, in Liverpool. But my father's passion mostly was fighting. He was a scrapper, my father. He was an absolute scrapper and he was a very he was a very smart fighter in that he would never fight anyone that was like the same height or, or above. He would always find a weaker person. That way he would leave a fight unscathed. He'd come back from anywhere after fighting, but he'd be not a scratch on his face. Like He'd always say to me and my brother, pick your battles, mate. Pick your battles. There's no point fighting a brick fucking shit house like. 
you go out and you go find the weakest person and you start scrapping him, lads, and start making a name for yourself. So my father was, he was constantly in me and my brother's ear about, you know, picking your fights from the very start. Like, what age were you when you found out that your father was like a fighter? Like, oh, from a very young age. Like, my mother tells a funny story about the day I was born. She says, when I came out of the womb, that my dad was scrapping with the doctor. The doctor was a small doctor at the time. And my dad went over and fills him in because he wanted to cut the umbilical cords. And my dad was intoxicated, so the doctor wouldn't let him cut the umbilical cords. So my dad went over and filled him in and cut my umbilical cord, but he cut it too short. So I was in hospital for about four months. And it's affected me to this day. The injuries from that day has been of his violence and his his inebriation and intoxicity. There's so many words about my father, but I suppose he was he was loved. He was loved, and he was a cheeky chappy like. And he used to tell me that story. We used to laugh about that story the day I was born. Every birthday or every day, he thought it was my birthday, but. I suppose the first time I see my dad scrapping was... He used to take me and my brother to all the footy games. He used to take us down to Liverpool, Everton, uh, Tramnir, Accrington, take us down to Blackburn, anywhere. But we never used to actually get in. We never used to have tickets for the game. We used to just wait outside, see if he could find someone small. And my dad would start on him immediately. He'd like he, he'd temper my father. He had a temper. He'd go off like a light switch when he'd see someone he could actually defeat. So he'd go over and fill fill small fill in. Like he goes, "Do you want to get fills in?" And your lad would be like, "No, I don't want to fight. I'm just going to the footy." My dad would fill him in. Like, but and sometimes if there was no fights at the games, or if there's too many coppers, so my dad couldn't fight at the games. He'd start one on the way home into Chippy. It didn't matter if you were a certain height. My father would absolutely scrap you. So he'd be going home in the chippy. And it was like Orton Towers. When you have to ride the roller coaster, see a certain measurement if you want to actually get on the roller coaster. That were, that's what it was like if you wanted to scrap me father. If you're over a certain height, you wouldn't scrap you. He'd look down at the floor. You're very, very smart father, very brave. And he'd always tell me, like, you know, like I said at the start, choose your battles. Like, So my father was always scrapping can't remember the time when he wasn't scrapping, really. Yeah, so it seems it wasn't really about the football, really. Like, it was about fighting, obviously, because you're going to games, you're going, you're standing outside stadiums, and... Yeah, it's a joke, so I suppose a tragedy does happen to your father eventually. Yeah, so it was about 2016. We were playing Ipswich away, second and those third rounds of the Carling Cup, or the, the Worthington Cup, or the fucking Carabao Cup. I don't know what it's called now, but... It was away at Ipswich. Not really many people there to be fighting. My dad, mad for the scrap again, didn't have a ticket. And he seen a copper's horse. A copper's horse was staring at him. He said it to me and my brother. He was like, is that horse staring at me? Is that horse staring at me? I was like, let it alone, dad. He's not staring at you. It's only a horse. So stop staring at me. He kept on saying it. So he went over and there's an old saying, don't look a gift horse in its mouth. Well, I well, I have a saying, and I say it in my book, is don't look a copper's horse in the mouth, or don't start a fight with it, unless you want to get fucking attacked, you know? Because my father went over, starting, ignored the copper that was on the copper's horse. He ignored him. He went straight up to the horse. He was like, what are you staring at? 
What are you staring at? Do you want to get filled in, lad? And the, and the horse just staring back at him. So my father, he, he, he hit him with a right and he tried to nut him. It was just, look at the time. You could nut a, a copper's horse. 99 times out of 100, you could nut, you could headbutt a, a copper's horse and you wouldn't knock yourself out. But whatever way my dad threw his head at a copper's horses, he, whatever way he cracked it, he'd done himself, lad. He'd done himself. So what happened was... Me and my brother spotted instantly that my father was knocked out. And he fell to the ground. And when he was underground, he was absent, like his eyes were closed, mate. His eyes were closed. And the horse got such a fright, the horse actually jumped up. And when the horse landed, it landed directly on my father's forehead. And he went splat, lads. It went splat. Absolutely splat everywhere. We were going to give him CPR. My brother went over trying to give him CPR. I was like, what are you giving CPR for? He doesn't have any head, mate. He doesn't have any head, mate. He was completely deluded, lads. There was brain splatters all over my floor. And there's, there's my brother trying to fucking kiss it. I was like, what are you doing, lad? He's fucking... It's gone, mate. It was, it's gone, mate. You know? And it was just luck. I've never heard it happen before. And I've never heard it happen since. Such an incident, just a freak incident. And, well, that's what they were saying. That's what the papers were saying at the time. And and they were saying it was a it, it was a freak incident. But the more I, I think about it, it, it was murder. It was complete murder. They tried to cover it up. They tried to sniff it under the rug. They'll scoop it under the rug, whatever you say. They give us free tickets to the game. Me and my brother went straight in, into the game against Ipswich. We were in the crowd, and we were, we were completely in shock. We were staying out on the pitch, but we were watching no game, lads. We were just in shock. I, I kept turning to the right, and where my father used to sit. If he, Not at the games, but he used to be at the right-hand side of me when we were outside the games looking for fights. And he wasn't there. I was just in shock, just staring at the game. I couldn't even tell you the score, lads. Me and my brother just staring. Just free tickets. Of course, we went in because it was free tickets to the game. We, we came outside. They didn't even clean, clean Dad's body up off the floor. Like It was mental. It was murder. Yeah. I, oh, Jesus, man. Jesus. I, I actually can't. I can't even believe. Of course, you were in shock. Of course, you were in shock. Like, And I, I feel for you. Of course, I've read the book and I knew that was coming. But it's such a shock. That that would happen to anybody, like, you know, no matter how, like, let's say your father seemed like a bit of a scumbag, and you do say so in your book, a bit of a scumbag, but, like, that is that is an absolute tragedy, like, how did it affect you? Because, as you say, you and your brother were in shock, so it didn't affect you instantly. When did it come into your your mind that, okay, he's gone, that was murder? What was the trauma like? Yeah, to be honest, mate, I, I, I didn't realise till about six months later... And it just fucking, it just whoosh over me body, like, it was, I couldn't look at a horse, I couldn't, I used to get down to the bookies with my friends, and we'd all be backing horses, I couldn't look at the horse, they'd be cheering horses, what are you cheering for? He's a murderer, and everyone'd be staring at me inside the laddies, like, and I'd be like, what are you looking at? They're murderers, I hope they fall and break their necks, they're all murderers, I couldn't understand, it wouldn't enter me mind. How, if my father 
went away to any chippy and absolutely lettered anyone and filled him in, and which he did down in Leeds back in 92. He beat a man to, within an inch of his life, and my father was sent to prison for five years. And we have horses, and they're just walking free, lads. Just walking free, going to stud farms, jumping over fences, getting fucking, fucking patted on the back, lad. They're murderers. They're murderers. They need to be prison for the horses, lad. They're walking away free with a smile on their face. They're murderers. So it's taken a long time for me to back a horse, to actually get back to backing horses again, because I love it. I used to love it. My mother's always like, go down and back the horses again, love. You're not the same when you're not backing horses. I'm like, I can't look at them. They're murderers, mum. They're murderers. So I've spent the past seven years just trying to get justice. Just justice for the murder of my father. Just, I've wrote to the papers. I've wrote to the Queen, the government, anyone that would listen. But none of them would listen, lads. None of them would listen. So, just if there's any, like I said, if there's anyone out there that I can help with my story and maybe someone they know has been killed by a copper's horse. He always used to say, never trust a copper's horse because they're corrupt. Corrupt horses just walking the streets, jumping over fences. And maybe you know someone that was murdered by a horse. Well, then you're not alone, lads. There's, o- there's other people out there that have witnessed murderous horses. And you're not just out there, so read my book, lad. You can get it on any Amazon or any... Good, good bookstore anyway, lads. Robert, doesn't matter. Just fucking take it, read it, inspire someone else to learn from my story. Thanks very much, lad. Thanks very much for coming in. Your accent went very Welsh. It went very Scottish at times. Um, and it, it, it just went a bit all over the place. So it was hard to take you seriously from time to time. But good effort. Fair effort. So his name is Peter Rightfoot. And uh, sure, go get his book. Give it, a, give, give this thing a five-star review. I've uh, I've no friends and I I've no one to talk to anymore, guys. No, I'm really missing. I'm really missing. Thanks very much, guys, for listening. And uh, yeah, peace and love. And tell friends about this, I suppose. Get them to listen to it. I don't really care. I don't really care. And um, yeah, have fun, guys. <laughs>